what do I think about sex? I think it's great. It's the greatest thing ever. It's better than bacon. And if anyone knows me, that's, that's saying something. The only thing that I dream of is for you to be dreaming of me. And the only thing that I long for is for you to long obsessively. Doesn't everybody want to be adored sometimes? That's all we're looking for, even though I know there's so much more to love. You're listening to The One, and I'm Robin Wilson. The One is a podcast that showcases everyday people and the love stories that make them unique. This is episode 10 of The One. So for this episode, and every 10th one hereafter, we're going to do something a little different. Rather than talking to a couple about their specific love story, I will enlist the help of some fine folks who subscribe to my passion for love to share their feelings on a specific topic that relates to love and relationships. The topic for episode 10 is the one that people seem to be the most interested in and also the most terrified of. Sex. So get your fan ready. This podcast is about to get steamy. My girlfriend is a burlesque dancer. She titillates to Tom Waits and she kills it to the classics. Burlesque is an art form about satire, about making fun of the ridiculous, about being confident in whatever your body looks like. Its positivity is infectious and creates a tight-knit community from around the world. And I love that my girlfriend is involved. Hearing that, you might think I love it because I get to see her almost naked on stage on a very regular basis. Or that I love it because she brings home crazy and sexy costumes and starts a private fashion show just for me. Or that I love it because... When she practices these numbers, she feels no need for pasties when it's just her and I. And you wouldn't be wrong. But I really love it because she is so damn strong, so confident, and so sure of who she is, what she wants, and where she's going. Who would have thought that taking most of your clothes off for strangers would have been such a turn-on? Now, she dances under a burlesque alter ego, but to me, this alter ego is authentic to who she is. She doesn't need to put on a strong, confident demeanor. No, that's just her. And sharing my life with a woman that is this grounded and certain has taught me more about how relationships and sex should be than I could have ever imagined. She's taught me that it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about how someone's sex life should be. All that matters is that she and I understand what each of us is looking for. When we have sex, you can be damn sure that we both want it. There's no, eh, sure, why not? Or, fine, but make it quick. It's what we both need right then, right there, and nothing else will do. It's the sexiest thing in the world. And believe me, burlesque dancers have perfected the art of tease in more places than just the stage. I'm a very lucky man. 
But as with all good things in life, there are always downsides. In this case, there's only one. Glitter. It is everywhere. That was Julian Fade. Julian is an expert improviser with Rapid Fire Theatre, and according to a View Weekly Reader poll, he's also the second best view in the city. When I came up with the idea for The One, I knew I had a decision to make. Was I going to talk about sex? On the one hand, sex is so personal and private, and it can be embarrassing to admit to doing something that we're taught we shouldn't do until we're married. And even then, we shouldn't ever talk about it. Ever. Sex involves our secret hidden bits doing dirty things with the secret hidden bits of someone else. We wouldn't want to think about other people doing it, and we sure as hell don't want other people thinking about us doing it. But on the other hand, sex is something that, even though nobody talks about, it's a part of every couple's relationship. The decision to have it or not to have it, the decision of when to have it for the first time, and all of the emotions that come with those decisions are the things that every couple has to deal with. Sex can be wonderful and beautiful and loving. It is a part of life, and it can have the power to create life. And in the end, it really didn't take me long to determine that of course I would talk about sex on my podcast. I like to think that I treat every couple that I speak to with respect. And while sex is never the main focus of the conversation, I feel that it is an important piece of a couple's narrative, and to ignore it altogether would be doing a disservice to their story. That doesn't mean that it's easy. Most couples that I talk to are nervous about the sex question, and some prefer not to answer it at all. I completely sympathize with the nerves, and I understand wanting to keep your sex life between you and your partner. I never want to pressure someone into talking about something that they're uncomfortable with whether that subject is when they decided to have sex for the first time or what they argue about when they're alone. Private lives are called that for a reason, and I totally respect that. I truly enjoy hearing the stories of every couple that participates in my podcast, and I appreciate however much they feel comfortable sharing. When I ask a couple about sex, it's not to be edgy or salacious. I think it's an important part of relationships that people can often feel shameful about, And it's my hope that in my tiny corner of the internet, I may be helping people lose some of their anxieties. For instance, if someone is worried that kickstarting a romantic relationship with sex will doom it to fail, I hope that they can hear Owen and Bronwyn laugh about how white wine sangria nudged their long friendship into a new and amazing direction. Or if someone avoids talking to a potential partner about safe sex and the importance of getting tested, because they're scared that it'll lose the mood. Well, then Adam and Rachel's openness about how getting tested only enhanced their excitement because they knew the other was safe might speak to them. When I was younger, I had a relationship where I had sex before I truly felt ready, and I was too scared to step back for fear of losing my partner. So for me, hearing Jaylin say how she did exactly that with Jim really impacted me, and I wished that I had heard that back when I was dating. I think these stories are important, and they deserve to be shared. My goal with The One is to show that love is beautiful, no matter what form it comes in, and that the steps that couples took to get there are what make each story so special. Whether it's finding out what frustrations they have, 
whether they go to the bathroom with the door open, or when they had sex for the first time. I hope to show people that no matter what you choose to do with your partner, and when that happens within your relationship, it's okay, as long as you're both consenting. It doesn't matter if you have sex on the first date, after the first year, or if you wait until after the first dance at your wedding. There is no wrong way to do it if it feels right to the both of you. Next up is a smooth voice you're sure to recognize, whether it's from his appearance on The One with his partner Rachel, or from his own stellar podcast, The Expats. This is Adam Rosenhart. We have complicated relationships with sex, even though for most adults, it's at least a part of their lives. And if you're in a new relationship or a long-term one, sex is probably at the top of your mind at least once a day. But sex isn't a thing we're usually terribly open about unless it's with our partners or very close friends, or gods forbid, our parents. I'll never forget when I had the talk with my dad. We'd had the talk before, but this one was way more awkward, if you can believe it. I'd spent the night over at a girlfriend's house at the tender age of 19, and rather than ask permission beforehand, I decided I would simply state that I was staying over. It's a phone call that I won't forget. I told my mom I was staying over, that my girlfriend's parents were fine with it. I could tell she wanted to protest, but she didn't, and I ended the call. To be fair, I was telling the truth. I was also dating someone five years my senior, which at the age of 19 can represent quite the gulf in maturity. The next morning, I needed a ride home. So my mother dispatched my dad. When I got into the car, I got a lecture about staying over at girls' houses and why that was bad. But I was 19 years old. I was in university, and I was living at home with my parents, who, to be very fair, actually let me and my brothers do just about anything we wanted to, as long as we weren't hurting ourselves or others. But this overnight stay was too much for my dad. The conversation devolved quickly. So does this mean you're having sex now, my dad asked. Jesus Christ, dad, I answered as he accelerated down the ramp onto the freeway. I could feel my dad's Catholic guilt weighing on me, and I wanted no part of it. Yes, okay, we're having sex. I don't see what the big deal is, I told him. And I didn't. But we shouldn't pretend sex isn't a big deal, because it is. It's this weird thing that young men doggedly pursue, a sort of rite of passage as we grow up. But no one can prepare you for the intense emotional impact it has on a relationship. Sex can make or break a relationship, and we should feel comfortable enough to discuss it with friends and parents and educators and whoever we need to, to work through those feelings. The conversation with my dad ended as quickly as it started. We drove the rest of the way home in silence, and when we got home, we ignored each other for the rest of the day. We never had the talk again. In hindsight, I should have taken the bus home. Here's another awkward one for you involving kinks and my mom. This story isn't intentionally about sex, so bear with me. My brothers and I always tried to expose our parents to as much good pop culture as we could throughout our teenage and adult years. We wanted them to like the music, movies, and television that we liked. It allowed us to experience things together and to talk about things beyond how was your day or what do you want for dinner conversations. 
One afternoon, I decided to watch Pulp Fiction, and my mom was interested in seeing what the fuss was all about. By the time we were sitting down to view the film, it was already about four years old. She'd heard her boys quoting it consistently over the last few years, and damned if she wasn't going to understand why her kids kept calling hamburgers Royales with cheese. For me, this seemed like a great idea. Expose my mom to a great piece of popular culture. I mean, sure, there was cursing and killing and drugs, but this is what contemporary film was all about, I thought to myself. And then we got to the gimp scene. And I don't think I've ever been more horrified. If you're a Tarantino fan, you likely remember the scene. The gimp himself wasn't terribly offensive, but what was happening in the other room, the rape of Marcellus Wallace, was, in a word, intense. The scene itself goes on for a while, and most of the time, you're watching Bruce Willis's character Butch try and escape, but you can hear everything, and periodically you can see everything as well. My mother sat through this, and so did I. I was as still as a stone. The discomfort in the living room rose rapidly. I took no pleasure in exposing my mother to this. I mean, talking about sex was hard enough, but watching a guy rape another guy in a movie was, well, just an entire galaxy away from the talk. It raised a whole bunch of questions for me. Did mom know what a gimp was? Had she ever witnessed a scene in a film quite like this? Would she swear off Tarantino entirely? Was she going to tell dad? Should we have watched Bruce Willis in Die Hard 2 instead? The scene ended. Mum stayed on to watch Marcellus Wallace exact his revenge on Zed, and as Bruce Willis drove away on a stolen motorcycle, sorry, stolen chopper, my mum broke our silence simply saying, well, I think I'll go and start dinner. That's the closest I've ever got to talking to my parents about something like anal sex. Now, I recognize that these two stories are weird and awkward, but we need to get to the point with our kids where we can talk openly about these things, where we can be frank about the sex things that make us uncomfortable or curious or interested. Sex is fun, sex is emotional, and sex is a key part of the human experience. I'm heartened to know that my cohort, my friends, and people my age are starting to have these conversations with their children. We shouldn't hide from the things that make us uncomfortable. We should draw these things out into the open. We should bring out the gimp in some respect. Because if we don't teach our kids about sex, we're leaving it up to the likes of Quentin Tarantino. And though he's a good, if inconsistent, filmmaker, he's probably exactly the wrong person to send your kids to for... The Talk. Our next guests are also alumni to The One. Janelle and TJ are a nerdy queer couple who are parents to an awesome seven-year-old and four fur babies. And the poem today that they're reading is sure to have you squirming in your seat. TJ and I were asked by our fabulous friend Robin Wilson to contribute this week. The topic? Sex. Well, there's lots we could chat about, but we decided to talk about the G-spot. We're here to tell you it's actually a real thing. So partners, listen up. And cis gay men, we're sorry not sorry for the next few minutes of Vagina Talk. So grab a drink and listen closely. Most of us with vaginas don't think we actually have a G-spot until it's discovered. It's highly unlikely a penis or a strap-on dildo can hit the spot. So follow our instructions and always get consent first. Consent is key to amazing sex. The G-spot. Listen up, lovers, we need to have a talk. While I appreciate your effort, it's not about your cock. 
despite contrary beliefs, I in fact do exist. Unlike urban legends, old maid's tales, and other folklore myths. There are no maps to find me, but do not give up yet. I'm here to tell you the secret is that it's your fingers that must get wet. No matter how hard the thrusting, a penis can't get it right. Regardless of how you try, your cock gives me a fright. It's not your length or girth or whatever size you may be. I'm unreachable by you, so finding me is sneaky. I reside arched and deep, deep inside. And when you massage me, she'll gush like a water slide. Use two fingers from your strongest hand and listen to your partner as she gives you commands. Make a come-hither motion is the next step you must take. Let her guide your motions and watch her body quake. I promise when you find me, the two of you will know, because once your fingers touch me, there's an elaborate fireworks show. Metaphorically speaking, of course. I try not to laugh at the people who think love is a beautiful dance. But she keeps losing the rhythm, and he got a rip in his pants. It's keeping together stroke by stroke in the same possibility. And trying not to let the other drown, we get distracted so easily. So when Phil and I go out and we talk to people about my podcast, the first question people always ask is when we're going to be on it. They do always ask that. What is up with that? Why are people so interested in our lives? We are obviously terribly interesting. Or or we have people fooled that we're interesting (laughs) and we're actually incredibly boring. Maybe. So instead of doing a full episode, what I'm going to do is interview Phil on this week's topic, which is sex. You ready? No, not at all. (laughs) Not even a little bit. All right, so tell me, Mr. Wilson, what do you think about sex? Oh my God, that's hard to answer. It's surprisingly hard to answer, actually. I think it's I think it's a great part of a relationship when the relationship works, but it can also be a very damaging part of the relationship when the relationship doesn't work. I'm deep. That's deep. Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That's it. So growing up, what did your parents teach you about sex? Uh, nothing. You didn't have like a birds and the bees talk? No, absolutely not. No, not even close. So where did you learn about sex? You know, from everybody else, from your friends, uh, from the, from the playgrounds and rumors and raunchy teen comedies. That's where everybody learns about sex, isn't it? So were you nervous the first time we had sex? Because I remember being pretty aggressive. I, I was nervous the first time. I was nervous the last time. Uh, more nervous? I don't think so necessarily. I mean, uh, you know, you weren't really aggressive. Maybe you felt you were being more aggressive, but I was always feeling like, oh, I can't, I can't push it harder. I can't press for this and to happen. And so that I kind of appreciated that as someone like who has zero capability of reading signs whatsoever. I appreciate someone who's like, okay, this is happening now. Great. I'm done trying to figure this out and what's happening now. Great. Now I finally know. So that, I appreciate that. And do you remember how long we waited? Uh, no, I haven't got a clue. I know where it was, but I don't remember how long that was. So I feel that you and I are pretty compatible sexually. I agree. Would you have been concerned if we were less compatible? Or is that something that you think a relationship can work on? 
I think you can work on that a little bit. I, I mean, I guess it, it depends how incompatible. It's usually pretty easy to kind of make little adjustments to what you what you like and what you what you want from your partner too. I think it's it's fairly simple to tweak what you're doing. So, do you think a good relationship outside of the bedroom enhances the relationship in the bedroom? I think open communication is vital in both areas. Put it that way. Uh, if you have good com- communication outside of the bedroom, then you'll probably be comfortable to have good communication in the bedroom. Do you remember our wedding night? Vaguely. I actually, you know what I really remember of our, of our wedding night is finally getting out of those uncomfortable shoes and getting you out of everything you were wearing that was uncomfortable, which is probably everything, and opening up all these cards on the bed and spreading out checks and money and stuff and kind of rolling around in it. It was quite funny. It, I, I remember <laughs> it was less like a sexy thing. I think the whole sexy wedding night thing is a total myth. After the long day you just had, you've got time and energy for romance. I do not think so. Did we even have sex on our wedding night? I assume we did, but I, honestly, I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was like, oh, I guess we have to. And then we both fell asleep. Yeah. So people who know us know that you're a food blogger. I am. Bacon hound, for the people that don't know us. You're pretty good in the kitchen. You got some skills. Where is this leading? <laughs> <laughs> if we ever needed to spice things up in the bedroom... What of your kitchen skills would you bring to the bedroom? Oh my lord. My mind's going a lot of different directions here. And none of them very PG. <laughs> uh, boy, which skills? Oh, what, what kind of kitchen skills would be relatable to the bedroom? I'm assuming you don't want me bringing the blender in there. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think a nice caramel could work in both situations. So let's let's say caramel. <laughs> I'm going to bring caramel to the party. That's exactly what I was hoping you would say. Good. So on that note, I'm shutting this damn podcast off. All right. I want to thank all my guests for participating in this week's episode. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe in iTunes because there are many more love stories to be told. If you know of a love story that you think I should showcase, have them drop me a line at lovestorypodcast at gmail.com or send me a message yourself and we can open the world up to the beauty of love in all of its forms. The music for the one is I Love You Oddly by Rebecca Angel. You can hear more from Rebecca on iTunes or at reverbnation.com backslash Rebecca Angel. Until next time, here's a quote from Mae West. Sex is emotion in motion. (laughs) 